Hey, listeners, before we begin today's episode, I have an exciting announcement to make. We've partnered with DCM Insights for a free masterclass on September 14th at 11 a.m. Mountain. This masterclass will feature someone familiar to the Sales Intelligence Weekly podcast, Mr. Matt Dixon, co-author of The Challenger Sale and his upcoming book, The Jolt Effect. He and I will present side-by-side and explore how B2B go-to-market teams can overcome customer indecision. Together, we're going to dissect why no decisions even occur, the psychology behind buyer behavior, how high performers overcome customer indecision, and why no decisions should be treated differently than losses. I'll be debuting some new proprietary research around no decisions from our 20-plus years of win-loss analysis, never before heard by the public. If you are in sales or marketing, this is a must-attend event. So go reserve your seat at www.primary-intel.com. This event is coming soon on September 14th, so don't miss it. This podcast is brought to you by Primary Intelligence, the leader in win-loss analysis, focused on helping businesses uncover the unique story on how each sales rep can win more deals. Hey, everyone, and thanks for joining me on another rousing edition of Sales Intelligence Weekly, brought to you by Primary Intelligence. I'm Ryan Queller. Okay, so what actually drives people to make decisions? I think that's a, I think that's actually a fair question, right? So at primary intelligence, we do a lot of win loss analysis, right? We, we try to understand what, what's important to the buyers when making a purchase decision. And they say certain things are really important when making a, a purchase decision. However, the deeper you get into our research, we actually find out that what they say is important to them and what actually drives a decision are two sometimes very separate things. There's those things that we call on spreadsheet attributes. Those are things that are easy and tangible things that you can point to and say, ah, like price or feature functionality, or, you know, these types of things are really good references. These are good things that I can point to and say, aha, these are, can help me make a decision. But what actually drives decision is a combination of those on spreadsheet and also off spreadsheet attributes. These are the things that are less tangible, things like understanding, you know, connectedness, responsiveness, things that are, um, you get me, you know, to, to do the Jerry Maguire, you complete me. Okay. So moving from win loss and talking about sales enablement, you know, when you, when you think about sales enablement, you may think of those on spreadsheet things. It's easy to point to things like, you know, the assets, like, pitch decks and battle cards and other tangible pieces, you know, that, that, that sales reps can actually use to win more. But sales enablement is, it goes well beyond that, right? Sales enablement includes interpersonal interactions and relationships between reps, leadership, and other departments in your organization. Your company culture and the culture you build within your sales team should enable or empower your reps to win more. Okay. So what we're going to explore today is how does organizational culture impact sales enablement and vice versa. Here to explore this idea is Mr. Paul Blair, Director of Sales Enablement at TELUS. Paul, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Ryan. Uh, Very, very happy to be here and and go through this this interesting topic uh, for this podcast. 
Yeah. And yeah, you, my friend are like the, the dude, you're, you're, you're the guy that's going to help, help us unpack this because I think there's a lot here about culture. And, you know, if anybody goes to Paul's uh, LinkedIn page, you will, you will feel immediately uh, his uh, passion around culture inside the organization. So excited to have this, but before we get in there, man, we need to hear a little bit about you. Tell us about you. Tell us about, tell us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I, uh, I took an interesting path, Ryan, to kind of get into uh, the enablement world and the B2B uh, selling world. Uh, my background is actually in training and organizational development, and uh, I, uh, I found the role um, from working on cruise ships, actually, uh, in between my university years, my undergrad years. Um, they had just introduced a brand new officer role on the ship called the Training and Development Officer. And they were responsible for employee new onboard, onboarding, employee training, drug and alcohol awareness, harassment training, all the things that like, you know, ship life needs because it's they're floating cities. And I, I really wanted to kind of learn more about training. And uh, it was a good bridge into the business world. And so I went off to the University of Wisconsin Stout in mid 2000s. And I uh, got a degree in a master's degree in training and organizational development, fantastic program led by um, X, the professors were all X industry. And so they brought real tangible examples of what it's like to, you know, to bring people development to the forefront of business and human capital development to the forefront of business. And um, from there, I, I got my first job at a consulting firm in Toronto, a big global consulting firm. My, my first customers were Fortune 100, companies like Pfizer and AstraZeneca and Caterpillar. And it was all about leadership development and competencies and human resources development. And that's where I started my career. Um, really exciting because it kind of introduced me to the world of like investing in people. Um, and then finally, I made my way to TELUS, which I've been there about 11 years now uh, in a similar role. I was a learning consultant back in 2011 when I first started uh, working on a leadership development program for our, our national leaders at the time in our commercial business. Um, and then six years ago, um, I got the ask from my boss at the time to say, hey, do you want to go and start something up called TELUS Sales Academy? for our, our sales force. And I jumped at the opportunity to apply what I learned in training and organizational design uh, into how do we help make our sales professionals the best they can be so they can in turn, you know, be the best for our customers. And so a little bit of a non-traditional path to kind of get into my role in enablement, but uh, I think they were building blocks to like allow me to do what I do today. Okay, so I, you know, I want to unpack something here really quick. Um, but before we get into the deep, intellectually stimulating conversation, which you know invariably will happen, I I know this is, is going to happen. Um, I, I need to sate my my child, right? The the child that's within me. So when you say I'm at sea and in in sea life, that that's like why did you ever come back? That sounds amazing, right? So you know, I I I. This sounds amazing. So, yeah. you know, give, give me give me just a little insight into what it's like to go live at sea. Like, I mean, that's that's very different for most landlocked people like myself. Yeah, it's it, it is it is definitely um, a different uh, professional opportunity. Let's call it that. Um, 
I, I, I used it as an opportunity to travel the world in between my undergrad years, uh, meet lots of people, see sites I haven't seen, um, but also, you know, have a little fun, obviously, along the way. Um, ship life was a microcosm of large organizational life, right? Like different cultures exist. We're going to talk about culture today. Different cultures exist within different departments on ship life. And I was in the entertainment department. So I was an activity staff doing programming for adults on the ship that wanted to go to bingo in the theater or shuffleboard or, or all of that fun stuff. And then um, from there, um, I could have kept going, Ryan, you're absolutely right. It's one of the most fun jobs I think you could ever have to be at sea. Um, but my family was back home in Canada. I had a large family in Toronto. I wanted to move out of my parents' house at the time. I wanted to find that job that could pay me that first annual salary, right? That uh, I could support myself. And so it was never a lifer job for me. But I can tell you, there are a lot of people on ships today where it is, it is a life. It is a life. They meet their 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 better half on the on the ship and they 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 live. They live rent free, earning money for 20, 30 years, right? And seeing seeing the world, right? And seeing the world. Yeah. Absolutely. There, there were lots of those uh couples on the ship that I that I had met. Yeah. Oh, that's very cool. Well, well, thanks for sharing a little bit there. All right, yeah. let's let, and for the listeners out there that like our Queller, let's let's get into this. We want to talk about culture. Yeah. So let, let's let's get in there. Um, first, um, I think it's important that we set the stage here, right? So let's define a little bit sales enablement. And there's still a lot of people out here that are out there that are still figuring out what sales enablement is. From your perspective, you know, how would you define sales enablement and what does it include? Yeah, yeah, it's and, and, you know, I've been thinking about this question um, in advance of this session with you. And I, and I think I think when I started uh, in this role, I had a different definition than I do today. Okay, uh, yeah, let's unpack that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, when I started in this role six years ago, I was hired to, to build a strategy and a vision for how we onboard and train our sales professionals across TELUS to understand two important things, what we sell and how we should be selling, right? It's the what and the how. And so for the first kind of, I'd say two to three years, it was really focused on building out the strategy for sales enablement and training and learning design and you know what tools are we gonna use and what does the career path look like and all of that sort of stuff. But as, I got more and more into the world of sales, which by the way, is the most amazing profession of all the professions. It's the most gratifying. Um, I started realizing that it's more than just sales, Ryan, right? Like it, like there are so many other supporting teams within organizational life today that are um, just as important to the revenue function than just the salesperson is groups like product, groups like marketing, groups like technology operations and systems operations and all of these different functions. And so what I saw actually happen over the last couple of years, I would say is that the, the definition of enablement has broadened to be not just sales enablement. If you look at the industry today, it's now revenue enablement. It's now revenue operations, right? And 
my team has evolved to actually take on that persona um, because in order for us to do our job, we have to partner effectively with other, other groups and go to market collectively unified, one voice, one narrative, all in support of that sales professional that's picking up the phone, sending that in-mail, sending that video, dropping that audio note on a prospect to open a discovery conversation to explain the value that TELUS can provide to, to the customer. And so um, to answer your question, definition, I would say today, revenue enablement, sales enablement is about people, process, and technology, right? You need, to, you need to support your people. You need to have the right underlying um, sales process and methodology in place that's best practice, that's, you know, that's going to help them achieve success. And then in this highly virtual world we're in today, Ryan, I would say you need good technology to support um, the day-to-day -day motions of not just the sales team, but how the product teams and the marketing teams and the CS teams um, feed the the sales teams rank order those for me right let's let's play it let's play a game of uh, uh of roulette uh so uh rank order those for me you know one two and three what's most important people it, 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 exactly end of the, story right like oh, oh yeah i mean exactly in the order i said it like you have to you have to invest in people to make them feel engaged supported um, you, they have to have trust, not only in their manager, their director, their VP, the president, they have to have trust in the organization that the organization is on strategy um, and, and adapting to these changing realities of the business world today. Um, once, you, once, you, once the people know you're there for them, for their success, you can then you've earned their trust, right? As an advisor, as a consultant to show them the process that we want you to follow so that we're consistent and we're aligned in how we support our customers or how we run our PL or how we run our account plans or our opportunity strategy or our deal reviews, et cetera, right? And so I was very fortunate that when I stepped into the role, um, my VP, I had two VPs actually at the time before we built out the team, which was pretty cool. One of them um, had been a sales leader in TELUS for 20 plus years and was so passionate about what we call our premier sales organization. And that's all about the best practices and the disciplines of funnel management and territory planning and account planning and all of these principles that you have to you have to train on and you have to support salespeople on. And more importantly, you need to get the leaders to buy in, the sales managers bought to buy into it so they can coach to it. And so that's the second piece, right? And the priority that you asked there, that's the process. And then once you've established the process and you've earned the right with the people that were here to help you, then you say, oh, and by the way, here's this piece of technology that can actually take that process and augment it, enhance it, and, and make it easier for you to execute on. And so it's really the, it's really the holy grail, I would say, it's the trifecta, people, process, technology. That's okay, 
So, but you're blowing some of our our listeners' minds here because um, isn't it technology first? I mean, it feels like that's the skewing of the market that people are like, no, the product will solve all of your problems and it will also make you breakfast. You know, it's like the, 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 the technology, what you're saying is the technology, the technology is tertiary behind people and policy. Is that right? I, I agree wholeheartedly with that statement. Um, and it's the exact way we teach our sales professionals to go and sell TELUS products and solutions to our customers. Um, we spent the good part of the first two and a half, three years of TELUS Sales Academy teaching um, our sales process, which we call leadership selling. It's our own homegrown um, methodology, which tells a sales professional that you need to engage and explore with a customer to earn the right as a trusted advisor, as a business consultant, to ask questions about their greatest challenges and how we can help. Once you you play up here and you're talking to the decision makers and you're talking to the right people and you've shown that you are a student of their business and that you've taken the time to understand their world, the world of their business, you can then start to transform their business through the technology that TELUS sells, but not before, right? And so um, how we train our sales professionals to sell externally is how I think about collaborating and um, working inside of TELUS with all of these different teams that have to help sales. I'm a, I have to sell internally. That's all I do every single day as an enablement uh, professional is to sell ideas and collaborate collaboration opportunities to other groups that may be two, three, four steps removed from a salesperson's day-to-day reality. And so it works really, really nicely that we can use our external sales process internally to build bridges and build the culture that we want to see for, for our sales organization. So that's, that's gorgeous, man. And congratulations on your homegrown uh, sales methodology. It really sounds like it's, it's human centric, right? It's people centric. And I love that. I, I had, I subscribe to that, that, that paradigm and, and agree 100%. Okay. So we've talked about what sales enablement or revenue enablement is. Let's talk a little bit about what culture is. Um, and you know, there, there's books, right? There, there's volumes written about what, what culture is. You studied this in college and your master's degree. I mean, this is just, but, but tell me a little bit, you know, what's your one sentence definition of culture? Um, culture, culture is the, is the feelings, uh, the innate behavior, um, the, you know, what people are, what people are, are, are thinking about or connecting to like viscerally when they're, when they're in their own mindset, right? Like when they're off the zoom call or the Google meet, right? Like it's, it's like, you know, it's, 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 it's hanging up a meeting, you know, and, and thinking about, wow, you know, like that, that felt good, right? That, that was a good outcome and, and there was engagement and, 
Um, you know, TELUS has a saying, Ryan, um, culture is our competitive advantage. That's, that's a saying that's been ingrained in a lot of TELUS team members from the time I started almost 11 years ago, is that we want to have an award-winning culture so people will show up and be the best they can be in front of our customers, whether it's in our stores or over the phone, in the contact centers. Um, culture really allows people to um, shine and, and brings out the best, I think, of their abilities. Mm, yes. I, okay. So how can you, you said something, we want to have an award-winning culture. How does that manifest, right? So how do you measure? Remember what I said at the beginning of this episode, you have yeah. the on-sheet and the off-sheet yeah. things. That's way off-sheet, right? So yeah. culture is super off-sheet. It's, it's less tangible, or maybe let's, uh, let's unpack it. Yeah. Um, help me understand how, what, what, how do you know, like, what are the manifestations of a, an award-winning culture? Um, so, so, I mean, I mean, now I'm going to go back and draw on some of my early HR people in culture kind of days, but, um, I would say, you know, employee engagement, obviously, um, is a big, uh, leading indicator of culture. And, you know, what I mean by that obviously would be, um, discretionary effort, right? Discretionary effort is how much extra effort am I going to put into something to get to the, the, the results, the intended outcome and result that the organization has set a goal around. And, you know, discretionary effort is, I think, is also an indicator of, of how connected someone is to the overall organizational culture, right? Um, you know, will they work a little bit later on a, on a Friday night? Will they have to maybe do a bit more work on the weekend to prepare for a big meeting with the board on Monday? Um, if you're not connected to the organization, if you're not feeling the culture, when you hang up and close your, you know, your laptop for the day, you're probably not thinking about, you know, those extra effort pieces to show up on Monday or Tuesday next week, right? To, to be, to, to, to really nail it, right? And I'm not advocating here. I wanna make sure the listeners think I'm not advocating here to be a workaholic. I'm just thinking about, you know, I'm, I'm just saying, um, it's like, you know, you're in the right culture when work doesn't feel like work anymore. You feel connected to the overall cause of the organization. Okay, so let's, let's bring it home. Let's start to, peanut butter and chocolate this um but let, let me let, let, let's bring it home let me ask this question so so how does culture impact sales enablement and vice versa how are they intertwined yeah um so i think culture like and, and something that we've actually thinking about a lot on our team re recently um coming out of the pandemic uh, you know, highly virtual, you know, environment right now for many organizations globally. Um, you know, you have to, you have to get things done through others in a lot of scenario, in a lot of situations within organizational life today. And culture, um, I think is not within, you know, there, there's an organizational culture, Ryan, but I think there's also micro cultures. Absolutely. Subsets, subcultures. Absolutely. Exactly. Like 
marketing might have a microculture and product might have a microculture and sales might have one and operations might have one and CS might have one. And what, what I think is kind of the secret sauce, I think to really effective revenue enablement is when there is common understanding about what it's like to be a sales professional today in 2022. Because let me tell you, it is way harder than it was at the start of COVID in, in 2020. Like to be a sale, to be a salesperson today, it's way harder. They have to work much harder to build relationships. They have to work much harder to research and 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 you know find those compelling events, right? To act on, right, and, and sell against. And I think um, if sales support teams don't take the time to understand the sales process from start to finish, the new sales process start to finish, um, there's a gap that forms and the content, the assets that come from those groups may miss the mark in terms of what sales actually needs to be successful. And I think it's important that if we're training new, a new hire in sales to learn about funnel health or account planning or territory planning, shouldn't we also be asking some of these sales support teams to learn the same process going back to the, you know, the three we talked about earlier, shouldn't they have at least a high level understanding of those areas? Because I, I will tell you, once they understand some of those things we're asking sales people to do, they're going to find natural synergies and connective tissue points to take their work and enhance it for what sales actually needs, right? And uh, and and it's it's something that you know I think more and more organizations are are starting to do more and more of, which is bridging the gap in the divide between sales and product and marketing and operations and customer success. It, it's one team uh, at the end of the day, right? So, and you're telling me that that you believe that the bridge to cross those. Uh, ravines, the, the, those gorges, those those sometimes miles wide divides, is understanding. Is that right? I, I think so. I, I you know there's I, I think I think it's I think it it starts with it starts with first I think it starts with a mindset. I, I think it starts with a growth mindset, right? Like a lot of a lot of sales support teams, I would say today. Um, are very good at what they do, right? They're very good marketers. They're very good product marketers. They're, you know, but, but I think today as sales organizations evolve to be a revenue, gen a revenue operational, you know, entity, um, there has to be a growth mindset and a willingness to your point, Ryan, to take the time to learn to, and to understand some of the sales methodology and sales process that many organizations train to, right? Uh, uh, in terms of being a salesperson. Once they have that learning and understanding, I think they can connect it back to their world a little bit better. And therefore create a more unified culture of understanding uh, about just the day-to-day -day motions of being a salesperson today. 
so um i i read somewhere something like 80 to 90 percent of learning that happens inside of an organization like formal training is lost within the first you know week after the training it's just like in in one ear out the other you just said connect back to the daily they're yeah. they're their day tell why is that connective tissue from out here back to myself so important yeah yeah and and you, you talked about you know the 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 learning loss of formal classroom-based learning um one of the one of the big kind of big bets i made pre-covid thank god i made the bet but was shifting about 80 90 percent of our telesales academy to be on demand learning asynchronous learning uh, we started this in 2018, 2017, 2018, leading into 2019. And um, I have a saying, Ryan, uh, you know, people today, adults today, adult learners today have to learn at the speed of need, right? And a lot of technology, going back to the third pillar today, what's really remarkable about, you know, where the SaaS market has gone for sales, it's all connected off of the CRM. It's connected off, off of salesforce.com. It's connected off of HubSpot because that's the, what we call it, tell us the single source of truth, right? In terms of the revenue organization. If it's not in the funnel, it does not exist, right? If you haven't updated the opportunity, how do I give you coaching on that opportunity? Right. And so uh, going back to your comment about how do we enable and learn and train and, you know, in this day to day workflow, um, you have to embed the learning again at the speed of need so that if they're selling a new product for the first time or contacting a new vertical for the first time, wouldn't it be nice if some of those contents and assets and, and things from marketing and product marketing automatically show up as soon as they enter the product into the salesforce.com and they can watch those three minute videos or learn about a buyer persona or look at a, you know, a two minute story that you can use in your first discovery call as an example. That's what I've been thinking about for, you know, five, six years now is, is how do we get smart with the technology, not pour on the technology, but be very selective about what we use so that everyone feels like they can use the tool to um to support sales at the end of the day right mm, okay so let, let's give some pro tips to maybe leadership right so leadership i being selective in the technology or limiting the the tech stack that your salespeople have to deal with is like absolutely you have to do this yeah. the number one complaint that i hear most often from sales teams sales reps is I have, I, I, there's 32 different technologies I have to play in. How do I deal with all of this junk? And, and so they, they become expert in one or the other, they self-select, right? And they end up taking some and making it theirs and others, they just ignore. So <laughs> give a pro tip to our leadership here. Like the, yeah. the, the, how do we, how do we do this? Yeah. So, um, and you're, you're so bang on Ryan, like I speak to other like my peers and other organizations and, and like their organization is like, like a small size comparison to like global huge TELUS. Like, and we've got like 65,000 employees at TELUS like globally now, like we're, we're big and they have more technology in their stack than we do. Right. And, and uh, the pro tip I would say is 
Remember we talked about people process technology at the beginning. I think if the technology you're wanting to bring in to support sales cannot be mapped back to at least one or more of the sales process and methodologies, then why are you buying it, right? At the end of the day, I'll give you an example. LinkedIn Sales Navigator. LinkedIn Sales Navigator, fantastic solution for salespeople to prospect, to do research, to track accounts, to get signals, social selling signals about their territory that they can use as part of their territory planning, one of our sales methodologies, to uh, you know, help us with our opportunity plans, uh, another sales methodology, right? to look at a long-term account strategy, right? Is the company growing? Is the company shrinking? That's all data that you can get from LinkedIn Sales Navigator, right? So when we're doing training for a new hire on account planning or territory planning or opportunity planning, we're first teaching the process and why the process is gonna help you be successful. And then we're layering on, oh, and by the way, We've got one or two tools here that can help you automate some of this for yourself to take time out of your day uh, so that you can be talking to our customers. And so, um, yeah, that's that, that's the most important thing I think that um, enablers like myself out there today should be doing is connect it back to the process, this, the sales process that you train on from day one on the job. Okay. So let, let's let's tie a bow on this thing. So how does this idea of culture and sales enablement translate to creating a better buying experience during the sales process? You know, how how is that? Let's let's do it. Peanut butter chocolate time. Go. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's tie it back to the customer here. Um, so I, I think I think I would start by saying, Ryan, that customers today are super knowledgeable about the companies they want to do business with and the, some of the more products. than ever, right? More, more than, than ever. ever, more than ever, more than ever. And so by the time the BDR or the SDR books, the meeting for the sales executive, right? Um, the customer has probably already done their homework and done a bit of research on TELUS as an example, right? A little bit about our portfolio and our solutions. And when that sales executive hits that first discovery call, right? Um, they wanna be armed and prepped with the messaging and the content and, and, and the storyline for that industry and for that vertical and for that persona. That's where the marketing, product marketing and, and culture of making sure that we're, we're taking the campaigns for the quarter and we're creating the right assets to be able to support that first conversation and then the leave behinds coming out of that conversation, right? Because like you said, more than ever, our customers, they want speed, they want efficiency, they want customer service. And if we can shorten the sales cycle from 120 days to 90 days, right? By sharing the right case study, sharing the right customer testimonial, um, having the right narrative from day one, um, the customer is going to have a better experience. Oh, and by the way, funnel sales velocity is going to get faster, right? For the organization, because you're moving through the sales process quicker, because you have the right 
uh, content and assets and methodology to support you along the way. But you're never going to get there if there are um, different agendas within the larger revenue generating organization. You're only going to get there when everyone feels like um, we're one team, we're one selling team, and uh, culture, I think, is at the heartbeat of that. Man, um, the competing factions, the sharks and the jets, you know, there's, I can, I can see the snapping and the dance fighting now. There are so many different, uh, in the rev generation departments, all the different departments that play in that space, there are, there's competing um needs there's axe grinding there's all kinds of other things this is where like you said culture is the heartbeat when your culture is a culture of alignment culture of accountability culture of customer centricity human centricity i have it's been my experience you stand a far better chance a far better chance of aligning the jets and the sharks so there isn't the the snapping and the dance fighting i mean is that what you see as well or yeah i i think you're right i think you know we there are so many smart minds right within most organizations um and sometimes they just don't get the the microphone right right like they don't get that that you know that that the the, the chance to um be creative be more innovative, right? Because there's, there isn't that growth mindset. There, there isn't that growth mindset that, you know, here's our box and this is the way we've operated within the box for so many years. Um, we're going to keep doing that, right? As opposed to let's come together. Let's, um, let's, let's look at this problem we're trying to solve or the, or the metric we're trying to hit or the revenue target we're going to crush, right? And let's let's be let's be truly collaborative in our design thinking, right? Like in, in, in our thinking. And you know, and I can see a transformation starting to happen inside of Telus today, um, where we're making we're making good progress towards um, that re that that reality. Um, it's it's a lot harder in large organizations. Um, but I, I know it's achievable and it's, it's, uh, it's something that, uh, my team and I are actually trying to focus a little bit more on this year uh, as we move into the back half of 2022. That is a worthy objective, my friend, and, and best of luck to you there. Let's, let's give our listeners one last piece of advice, Paul. So, you know, we, we've explored, we've, we've talked about the idea of, of organizational culture and all of the subset cultures that, that exist, right? It, it's not like there's just a culture out there that is created. It's multiples of multiples of cultures down to the human, right? To the, 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 the nucleus of it is, is the person. Um, but, how, you know, we've chewed on this idea of how organizational culture impacts sales enablement and vice versa. If you were giving some advice to our listeners, uh, leaders, uh, rev rev center leaders, yep. um, new sales enablement leaders. What what's that single piece of advice that you give them? Three words: voice of sales. I think it's so important that some of the sales support areas within a revenue you know operational environment um, take the time to go shadow a BDR, shadow a sales executive, spend a day in the life, right? With like, you know, 
I want to see them open a call. I want to see them close a call. I want to see them try to book a meeting. I want to see them, you know, do research and where they go to get information, right? Like, I think, you know, um, uh, getting closer to sales is so paramount today, especially with the virtual divide that, you know, we have, um, you know, in order for us to be the best we can be for our customers and be customers first, which is, by the way, one of TELUS's strategic in, in, you know, imperatives is we put customers first. Um, we have to put sales first, I think, right? And the only way to do that is to understand what it's like to be a salesperson, right? And how are you going to know what it's like to be a salesperson if you're not seeing them interact with our customer at the end of the day? And so voice of sales, getting closer to sales, um, there should be formal programs, I think, that every organization has in place, kind of like take your kid to work day, right? It's, it's similar. It's similar to that. It's, you know, let's take our sales support, um, you know, professional to come and see what I do every day with our customers and sell. So hope, hope that was what you're looking for. That's exactly what I was looking for. Uh, so Paul, listen, this has been an insightful um, conversation. Thank you so much. For being on the show today what a what a wonderful conversation and, and listeners i i challenge you really to apply these tactics to your sales team empower your reps by creating a culture of winning listening to the voice of your sales do it today it'll lead you down the right path perfect thanks for having me ryan as always for more from our friends at telus and from us here at primary intelligence check out the show notes at www primary-intel.com forward slash podcast. And remember, no deal is out of reach. We'll see you next time.